Thank you for joining us. Uh, this is our online uh, teaching time of Kaioki. We are going through the book of Romans in a series we're calling Not Ashamed. And um, today we are in chapter 8, starting in verse 12. So I invite you to get your Bibles, um, your pads, and let's, uh, let's read it together. Romans 8, beginning in verse 12, and we'll, we will try to make it through verse 17, but we'll certainly read through verse 17. Romans 8, 12. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Our Father, as we have opened your word, um, we ask that you would uh, just take your word in our lives and through the power of your spirit, change us, conform us into the image of your beloved Son, God, open our eyes that will see and our ears that will hear. And may there be no doubt of who is Lord, uh, of our decisions, of our thoughts, of our worship, of our time together, of when this time is over and we're by ourselves. May it all go to your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you, have you ever sensed or believed that in terms of your walk with Christ, you were a down, desperate, and defeated believer. And it seemed like you were a failure. Things were not going well. You didn't understand perhaps why certain things happened and other things did not. Um, you were looking for... Um, for answers and they weren't coming and you were asking the question, why? Why, why am I struggling like I am? Well, Paul, as he is going through this letter to the church in Rome, has been discussing the distinction between the breakdown of two people. Last week we called it worldviews, but it's really two, two cores there are two people in the world. There is the believer, the follower of Jesus Christ. There is the unbeliever, the person who has rejected Jesus Christ. And therefore, whether they know it or not, in rejecting Christ, you are rejecting God himself because Christ is God's manifestation on earth of his presence. And so, um, as we come to our passage today, we're going to be looking at the way forward. That's what we're calling today's message. Um, what does it look like to 
live not a defeated life, but a victorious life, a life that honors Christ and, um, and reflects Christ in us. So I want you to, I want you just to, I want you to, we're going to answer that question, but I, I, we're, we're going to be negligent if we don't do a, give a little due diligence to where Paul has been. And we're just going to look back a, a, a short glance. If you look at verse 9, I want you to notice something. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact... The Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of, of Christ does not belong to him. So verse 10, But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. And now finally verse 11, If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, all of these things I bring to your attention, there's a commonality in all three of these verses. There is an if. This happens if this happens. And the if is all, all three ifs deal with the Holy Spirit. If the Spirit is in you, the Spirit of Christ, he refers to in, in verse 9. Uh, in verse 10, he says the Spirit is life. And in verse 11, he, he says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, which is, which is, of course, God. So the difference in a believer's life as opposed to an unbeliever's life is the presence of and the working of the Holy Spirit in that individual. If I don't have the Holy Spirit living in me, then I'm not of Christ. He, he, he says very bluntly um, in verse 9, and even earlier, um, he ta talks about the fact that without the Spirit of Christ, um, we're at war with God. So what does that life look like? Well, let's look at it. That's what we're calling the way forward. How does my life change? How does your life change um, in Christ with the presence of the Holy Spirit? Those two things go together. No cry, no N-O cry. If you don't know Christ, there is no Holy Spirit. And subsequently, if there is no Holy Spirit in you, then you do not know Christ. When I surrender to Christ, the Spirit indwells me. So I just want to give you, uh, I, I want to make, if you would, four observations about the way forward. Four observations about the way forward. Observation one, recognize that our practice has changed. Our practice has changed. In other words, wh what's the way forward? Well, we need to recognize that that um, our practice has changed. Verses 12 and 13, he writes, So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Notice that we are debtors. Uh, some translations use the word under obligation. We are under 
obligation. We are obligated. Um, what are we indebted to? What, what is this obligation that we have? Well, it's, it's that we're no longer debtors to the flesh. In other words, in Christ, we owe our sinful desires and that battle that wages within us, we owe those sinful desires nothing. Until I came to Christ, it was my nature when I was tempted and when uh, sin raised its head in me to go for it, to lurch toward it, to, uh, to not only... To not only uh, cast my line toward that temptation, but to catch it and reel it in and to absorb it. But in Christ, we're no, we're no longer under obligation to that sin. Why? Because Christ has paid our debt. Things have changed. The practice that we once conducted has now changed. The way we live, the way we deal with sin is no longer the same. And the way that looks, the way that functions is that Paul tells us that in midway through verse 13, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body. There is something here that is very active. We are actively engaged in the fact that we are to put to death the deeds of the body. We're to be aware. We are to be observers. We are to be on the lookout. One of the, one of the non-Romans passages that we have referenced because it is so in keeping of what Paul writes in Romans is, um, is 2 Corinthians um, where he says that we are taking every thought captive and bringing it them under to the obedience of Christ Jesus our Lord. We take every thought captive. Well, part of that is being on the lookout, being aware of what's around us as well as what is welling up within us. It is a mistake it is a mistake to think that we can, uh, that sin no longer tempts us and that we no longer have to worry about sin. Sin is real. Peter writes in 1 Peter 5 that our enemy, Satan, goes about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Uh, we, we have to be aware that there is this battle we wage. It, there is a spiritual battle we wage with the enemy that rages outside of us but is tempting us. But there is also a battle within us. And, um, and Paul says we put, we put those temptations, we put those struggles, we're aware and we put them to death. I think of when I was a little boy, I don't know how politically correct this is to do today with, uh, if you're a mom and dad of a young one, but when I was a young boy, um, one of our favorite games with myself and my friends and other boys in the neighborhood 
is we would play war. And the way you play war, some boys maybe that had, had gotten toy guns or rifles for Christmas or their birthday, others would we pick up just branches or sticks and they would be, they would be our, our guns, our weapons. And we divide up into teams and we would try to hide and uh, as one, one team would come across, they were the enemy and we would try to ambush them and we... But you would, you would grow very sensitive to where the other side was and you'd try to hear them as they'd walk through the woods and you'd listen for the leaves they, they would step on. And then once you found them, boom, you would, imaginary sense, kill them. You would, well, as you grow up, um, and I have pastored men who were in live combat, um, war takes on an entirely different sense and reality when the bullets are real. And uh, in talking to many soldiers, one of the things that have done, been in battle, one of the things that they have said is you are keenly aware of your surroundings. Those things that are friendly and those things that are not. And Paul, Paul says to the believer that if you have the spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body that have in the past enslaved you and kept you down and committed to sin. Now you are aware and you put those things to death. How? By taking every thought captive. We have a lot of hunters in our church and um, one of the things hunters will tell you is that a part of being successful is having the sense of awareness as to what's out there, how far, how close, what it is, the approach, and that determines your action. It's a great metaphor for putting to death the deeds of the body. So, the way forward includes just a recognition that our practice has changed. We no longer live like we used to live. Here's the second observation, and that is that our path has changed. Not only has our practice changed, but our path has changed. Verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Um, the one that we follow is not who it used to be. We used to follow our own desires, our own, our own wants, our own needs. We were captured by the enemy. And whatever, whatever we, we believed would, uh, would sate our desires, that's what we'd go after. But here Paul says, if you are led by the Spirit, that is a reflection of the fact that you are 
a son of God. Uh, I want to talk just a bit about being led by the Spirit, what, what the, the work of the Holy Spirit is and, uh, and what the work of the Holy Spirit is, particularly in the life of a believer. The Bible teaches that if you had to whittle down what the primary work of the Holy Spirit is, that would be to make the Lord Jesus Christ real to you, if, if you indeed are in Christ. The Spirit is there to show you, to point out, to magnify Jesus Christ, to exalt the Son. Um, I, I want to I wanna just kind of draw your attention to John chapter 16. Jesus is with the disciples. Um, they are, it is, it is the last night of his earthly life before he goes to the cross. He is preparing the disciples for what their life is going to be like and how life is going to change. And he begins to talk to them about a helper, about someone that he is going to send, the Holy Spirit. And so I'm going to pick up John 16, uh, verse 13. Jesus says, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will de declare to you the things that are to come. Now here we go. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. You see, the work of the Holy Spirit is to declare the glory of the Son. And it's, it's, it is, this is a beautiful picture of the Trinity of God, the three persons of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. For just as the role of the Holy Spirit is to glorify the Son, still in Gospel of John, just the very next chapter, as Jesus begins to pray, his most, the most personal, extended prayer we have recorded in Scripture, in John 17, in verse 2, Jesus is praying, he's, he, well, actually verse 1, Father, the hour has come, glorify your Son, now get this, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Now watch this. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. So you see this connection 
What is the role of the Holy Spirit? It's to glorify the Son. What is the role of the Son? It is to glorify, to magnify the Father, to, to, to put a spotlight on the significance, in the Holy Spirit's case, of Christ. For Jesus, it is to put a spotlight on the Father. This word glory means weight. It means significance of. Um, so the work of the Holy Spirit is to make Christ significant to you and in you. Tim, Tim Keller um, has, has said, quote, Without the Holy Spirit, Christ remains tame to you and in you. He is just another religious figure. But when the Holy Spirit comes to you, Jesus goes from being a soft kitten to a roaring lion. So the work of the Holy Spirit is to show, declare the greatness of Christ. And the, the, the role of, of Jesus in, in saving fallen men and women is to magnify and to declare the glory, the greatness of the Father. That's why at Kaioki, our vision statement begins with this statement. We are declaring the greatness of God. Because you can't cut off one. The role of the Spirit is to magnify the Son. So we magnify the Son. We praise the Lord Jesus Christ. But in doing so, we are exalting our Heavenly Father. Because to find glory in Christ is to see Him honoring and glorifying our Heavenly Father. So, uh, we see this throughout the New Testament, but especially so in, in Romans. In fact, the Holy Spirit is mentioned at least 20 times just in Romans 8 itself. So, but as, as we think about how our path has changed, we need to recognize that that path is, is, is steered by, is directed by, is surrounded and immersed in the Holy Spirit of God. And therefore, in declaring the glory of God. Now, why does this matter? Why is this... Um, Why, why does this change the road or the path that we are on as significantly as it does? Well, it's because um, the Holy Spirit's role is to show us and produce in us um, Christ-likeness. In other words, it shows us how we are how we are to live, how we are to uh, face each day, how we are to sleep at night. That is the role of the Holy Spirit. We are on a, a path that has changed. The path, our, our previous path before Christ was so caught up in self 
that now in Christ, the Holy Spirit who dwells within us is changing us and showing us that what God has for us is so much better than that old path we were on. Because in living for self and taking the path of self, we were not only walking a road of slavery and a road of incredible guilt and failure, but we were living in direct opposition to God himself. And so it's like we were, we were knocking our heads up against a brick wall thinking that if we could just have our own way, then our life would be fulfilling and, and rich and rewarding. But because we were on the wrong path, we were ignoring the very one, God himself, who desires the very best for us. So the role of the Holy Spirit is to guide us and to teach us and to show us so that if I'm facing a decision in my life, any decision in my life, my overriding question as I approach that decision is, um, is not what will make me happiest. We'll let God take care of that because we know God has our best interest. He has our joy at heart. But the question is, which direction most, remember the role of the Holy Spirit to glorify Christ, which decision, which, which direction of what I'm debating most glorifies the Lord Jesus? It's fascinating. It's fascinating. I mean, you think of um, how the Holy Spirit glorifies Christ in the life of a believer. So if you're a Christian, you need to know that the Holy Spirit works in, in, in multiple ways. One way the Holy Spirit works in the life of a believer is through regeneration. When I am born again, something happens. Paul, in that great passage in Ephesians chapter 2, begins by stating the fact that we were dead in our trespasses and sin. And then, beginning in verse 4, he talks about the fact, but God being rich in mercy made us alive. What does that mean? He makes us alive. Well, it's the function of the Spirit to open our eyes, to quicken our souls so that now we desire Christ. The very one that we were dead to because of our sin, now we desire. That's the Holy Spirit. Um, the Holy Spirit sanctifies us. He, he transforms us into the image of Christ. Spiritual growth in us is the work of the Holy Spirit. Part of our sanctification of, uh, of being in Christ, of, of um, being led by the Spirit of God, this being transformed, is that 
the Holy Spirit in you points out things that you've placed before God. In other words, things that matter to you more than God. Because what matters to you more than God will, ined- will inevitably, thank you, um, replace God. They become lords in you. And you begin to live for those things. You might call them idols, right? And so part of being led by the Spirit of God that Paul's writing about, he's talking about here in verse 14, is to have the Spirit of God point these idols out, these areas, and that he brings conviction and he brings change to you. And that quite often can be painful in dealing with those idols, in dealing with those things. It, is, it can be painful having them pointed out, and it can be painful replacing them with Christ as Lord. But that's a function, that is an act of the Holy Spirit's leading in you. Okay, our time's about up. Our practice has changed, right? The way we view temptation and sin and its, its role in our lives, we actively seek it out to put it to death. And we see that our path has changed. Uh, we are now led by the Holy Spirit of God. He indwells us. He lives in us. And that matters and that affects the way we view life How we view the things that we seek after and go after because he is conforming us into this magnificent image of God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going we're gonna to stop there. I know I mentioned there were, we're going to make four observations. We're going to make observations three and four next time. Uh, because they're really too sweet and rich and deep just to shortchange. So let's stop there and uh, let me, let, let, let's close by kind of being honest. Honest with ourselves, honest with God. And that is, as Paul writes about the, the Spirit indwelling us, um, we recognize that that is not something that comes outside the realm of faith in Christ. Um, And the question becomes personal when you ask yourself, do I know Jesus Christ, not just intellectually, but do I know him personally in a way where I have come to the end of my own self-effort and belief in my own abilities to accomplish salvation, to buy myself spiritual life, and I look to Christ and Christ alone. What he has done on the cross by purchasing my salvation, my forgiveness, my righteousness, even though I am unrighteous, he makes me righteous through his death, his sacrifice, through his burial and his subsequent resurrection. He offers me everlasting life. That Jesus, the Jesus of reality, 
of Scripture do I, have I submitted and surrendered and in faith trusted him? And if you have not, you can today. You can right now. And I would encourage you maybe to just hit pause if that's the desire of your heart and ask him. Just tell him that you desire Jesus. And when that happens, something magnificent, that in and of itself is a work of the Spirit. And his Spirit comes to indwell you so that the Spirit really is the presence of Christ. It's why several times, just in Romans chapter 8, Paul refers to the Spirit as the Spirit of Christ that lives in us. It's worthy of our life. It's worthy of our worship. And so we'll close out our service um, with just a, a brief time of worship of God in song. And I want to thank you for being with us. I'm going to pray, and then we'll move into that final time of worship. God, bless my friends who um, are watching this. Lord, I pray that you would bring us to the point of recognizing a need for Christ and Christ alone. And Lord, that um, you, will, you will respond to our cry of a wretched man that I am. Who can deliver me from this body of death? But blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in whom we pray and ask. Amen and amen. God bless. Thank you.